Hey everyone, welcome to the Totally Well Show. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. The Totally Well Show is a place where we get curious, ask questions, and explore everything to do with health, wellness, fitness, personal development, helping people, and all the things it takes to help you live a strong, joyous life. My guest today is Vernon Brown. He is a happiness speaker and coach, and you can find him at whatsyourhappy.com with an I, spell happy with an I. Um, he is um, he provides companies and organizations with uplifting and energizing talks that motivate and inspire, and he has certainly inspired me. I hope you're going to enjoy this episode. I certainly did. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts and give us a thumbs up, share the episode, and give us a review because that helps more people find me totally well and um, helps more people find Vernon and be able to uh, take advantage of his wonderful skill set. And uh, he's just a great guy. I really am inspired and want to do more collaboration with him. So enjoy this episode of Totally Well. Hey everyone, welcome to the Totally Well Show. I have the pleasure of um, interviewing Vernon Brown today, who is a happy coach and speaker. And welcome, Vernon. I'm so happy. I know we chatted before and I was really looking forward to this chance to get to know you. And so was I. And thank you for having me here. Thank you, viewers and listeners for, um, yeah, listening to me. Yeah. So I want to make sure people know how to reach you so that, um, you know, in case they don't listen to the full episode right now, they'll at least know how to, um, or maybe they're just so happy, eager to meet a happy (laughs) coach that they will uh, jump right to there. So. Yeah. So a really quick way to reach me any time of the day is going to be my email. And that's Vernon at whatsyourhappy.com. Now I want to make sure I spell this out. So it's V-E-R-N-O-N and it's what's your happy and happy spelled with an I. That's okay. with an intention, which I'm sure we're going to get into later. But Vernon at what's your happy.com. And also another way is going to be through a text message. It's going to be 804-396-3766. So a happy happiness coach <clears throat> and speaker. You go out and, and um, do motivational talks for companies? Yeah, it's um, the motivation, you know, I always let people know, like motivation is there, but it's more energizing. And that's why even, you know, kind of brand myself as an energizer and connection speaker. Because okay. people get energized, they get excited because they start seeing more options, opportunities, possibilities, and solutions. When you walk into a corporation, sure, they, they, they get motivated to do better or they get motivated to, you know, to show up better at home, but they get energized, they get creative, they get rewarded immediately in the moment. Oh, that's a very different thing. I've never thought of it that way. But now that as you're explaining it, I'm thinking about the, this sort of an opening, opening the window for them or opening, you know, more doors and ideas. So yeah. what what can you describe to me how what any of the science behind what you're doing? Yeah, it's it's about recognizing that this thing, this organism, it's always looking for ways of writing and rewriting itself. And without having again, I'm I'm big on oops thinking is what I call it in my practice, options, opportunities, possibilities, and solutions, it starts to kind of diminish um, the energy. And when that energy gets diminished, that's when we can get stuck. That's when we can fall out of ideation. That's when we can move away from creativity. Okay. Now, when you present more options again, that oops thinking, or you start 
finding and speaking a more relatable information, it really starts again, like opening that window and door to like, wow, I can do this. The energy gets up, ideation kicks in, creativity gets in. You start communicating a lot better. You start becoming more aware and you start managing your life a lot better. All right. So even though you're speaking to different groups, well, do you speak to different groups? So they, could they, or are they just one sort of group? I'm imagining, how does this apply to people in different industries or? Yeah, that's a great question. I tend to work um, more directly with kind of the, the human capital, human services. I don't want to just relegate it to the Department of Social Services, but when people are working in direct contact with people, uh, to some way, shape, or form, um, like healthcare, perfect example. I get booked often in healthcare because doctors, um, doctors, just professionals in the healthcare industry, they're working, you know, direct with people. That can start wearing a person out, or they can just run into a lot of different problems. Another industry that um, I noticed that's kind of popped up has been in the accounting and the banking industry. It's really? because, um, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I tend to go towards the more higher stress industries. Attorneys, that's another really big one for me. Dentists, that's another one for me. Oh, wow. I recently interviewed some people from the Happy Doc podcast, and yeah. they were telling me how um, they were telling me how big of a um, stress it is in their industry and how frequently there's burnout and suicide, things like that. Yes, absolutely the truth. Yeah, so that's the kind of industries that are being, they're recognizing the problem now and that it tends to be clustered in the industry and they're seeing the need, yeah. Right, it's still, you know, oftentimes, you know, I'm a happiness coach. People think it's all about, I'm always happy, I'm always positive. No, 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 no. Like, I do get upset, I do get bothered, but I don't stay there that long. And for me, when I go into these industries and I talk with these amazing people, um, who might not even remember how amazing that they are, they get, it, it can really, I'm trying to find out that the best language. Some of these industries, it almost is, it, it comes across as somewhat negative. When you're looking for what's wrong, we got to find out, you know, we have to diagnose. We got to, we got to figure out again, what's wrong. And it's, and, and that's necessary. Don't get me wrong. You, we need that. We have to have that. Okay. It's just making sure if you're diagnosing, just make sure you're also taking care of yourself in that process. Sometimes being reductionistic can really, really do harm. And sometimes it's not boiled down to just one factor. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're taking care of other people's needs, but being able to go back and make sure that they're in the best position to, um, to function at their highest, right. to be able to do that job. And oftentimes with helpers, especially, you know, myself included, we get so excited, we get so worked up to contribute to others and to give to others. We're all given out by the time we get home and we're with our family and loved ones. Yeah. I'm curious, and I often ask this this of my guests on the show, um, what got you into doing this? Like, what, what made you <laughs> find that this is a, a thing to do? Do you want the Reader's Digest version or a little bit longer version? Well, we have tw- about 20 minutes to go, so you can take as long as you want. Okay. I'll try to make it uh, entertaining. So I'm one of three. Um, I'm the middle child. Leave no judgments. Uh, <laughs> And my brother, my sister's two years older. My brother's nine years, nine years younger. We call him the oops baby. Okay. <laughs> and um, single family household, uh, single family household. And you know, my mom did some amazing things with what she had. Um, and just as you and I talked in the first conversation, you know, my mom was an RN. And she just, 
she, she did the best that she could. And you know, one of the best things that she could did for me was, you know, ed- told me how important education was. So yeah. picture I'm in the fifth grade, sixth grade, and I'm reading medical journals. So you tend not to fit in with the crowd when you read medical journals all the time, right? Yeah, and, um, especially in fifth grade. <laughs> it wasn't, I didn't understand all the language, but I was just fascinated where the body worked, where my mind worked. Yeah. Well, we, um, we didn't have a lot. And when I say we didn't have a lot, we didn't have much of anything. Uh, we were evicted twice. I was homeless. Um, I was in the car. Um, oftentimes, we didn't have power. We just, uh, we lived life in a different level. And we kind of didn't let people know that, right? Yeah. And again, hang in there. This story does have a happy ending. And when I was younger also, I kind of had a weight issue. I was a little bit thicker, is what I would call it. I was a little thicker than other people. So I was a goofy guy. We were homeless. I didn't smell that great. I mean, it was just everything, a soup for like, what's wrong with this kid? Well, then um, to give you a couple more details, I remember someone tried to kidnap me. I remember that whole fiasco. That was... Oh, my God. That wakes you up. A stranger you're talking about? Yeah. I got off the school bus and Joyce was crazy. Um, I will never forget this. I got off the school bus, and this is before social media, before you could check in and say, I'll be here this time. This is in the 80s. And there was a guy sitting at the bottom of my driveway. We had this driveway that kind of went down to this kind of concave spot. And the bus drove off. It was kind of unassuming. You wouldn't have saw it if you didn't know. And he pulled up, and he said, you know, get in a bleeping car. And, you know, I'm this little black boy, and I see this, you know, 50, 60-year-old white man telling me, get in the car now. And he opened up the door and tried beating on the seat. And I ran full speed. Oh, it was just God. terrifying. But, um, you know, the beauty of a lot of these things that happen, it, it really, you know, kind of teleported into right now, but it really helped shape the way that I go about executing things. But back to where things were, um, some of my mom's boyfriends decided that I should be a punching bag. And mm-hmm. so growing up fast like that, it, it, it does things to a kid's brain, right? It just makes you feel like you don't have a sense of worth. You don't really fit in. What's wrong with you? There's always things going wrong. And I had enough of it. But unfortunately, and this is the second time I got evicted, my dad came back into the picture. And he really wanted to make things right the best that he could. So I moved in with my grandmother, which one of the best things that could have happened to me. She really helped shape me, you know, this 14, 15-year-old kid who had the worst things happen to him in life. He actually had a chance to fight. You know, he actually had a chance in my fight. That means, you know, I got haircuts regularly. I'm, you know, practicing better hygiene. I'm taking care of myself. And at the time in high school, you know, when I finally graduated, and I still was not good with the ladies, don't get me wrong. No one paid me any attention. Yeah. I was 5'10", I was about 170, 180 pounds. Yeah. And this is, this is when I learned that um, the universe has a sense of humor, right? <laughs> uh, I was 20 years old and I shot up six inches and I put on about 80 pounds of good weight. Like yeah. the most bizarre things. I went from the most unathletic person to being incredibly athletic, to being, you know, all modesty on the side here. It's just, I, I started getting more attention and it was weird, right? Yeah. And when I was in school at that time, I was for anima- I was taking animation, and I loved art. God, I loved art, and I still do. And it just it helped me get through such a tough time. Yeah. Now, when I got to, when I was two years in, I said that you know that tough time's not here anymore, and not that I don't love it, but let's try something different. So I went back to what my mom really taught me, and um, really getting close to understanding the body. So I turned my major into psychology. Now, when I got done with school, I was like, okay, the world, I can do so many different things now. And so from there, I said, because, you know, when you don't fit in, you know, conversationally, you're not going to be the most, I can talk to anybody. No, not, not anymore. Not right now. You got to get those skills. 
So I said, how can I get this skill faster? And I sat and I thought, and I'm the awkward introverted guy at the time. And I said, how can I do this? And I was working at a restaurant and my manager said, I'm going to fire you if you don't become a bartender. And I'm like, there's my opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) You said you have this great personality. I'm like, no, I don't. And I was because for 20 years, they told me I didn't. I didn't. I was the dumb, fat, ugly kid. So I um, said, all right, let's do this. And it's when I really realized what I had been through was the biggest blessing ever. I call it a gift of long suffering because of the struggles that I had when I was younger that most people never had and fortunately never will. It gave me the gift of my intuition. Uh, because being a bartender, yeah, it's great. You know how to make a drink. Nobody cares about how you make the drink. Well, a very small percentage. It's how you make people feel. Do they feel yeah. remembered? Do you feel connected? And I was phenomenal at it. Uh, no, I know I was phenomenal at it because I had such a strong following. Yeah. But it was better. It was just I let people feel felt. And we would just have this great time. And, you know, I was kind of a goofy guy. I still am. I love to laugh. But we laughed and played. And that's when I really got connected with um. People just want to feel felt. People want to feel happy. People want to feel felt. And I just, I, it just blew my mind. And um, I'm kind of wrapping up now. And then I took on another venture um, in New York. Um, I got challenged by this guy at the gym because I really got into fitness because when I was younger, I was also getting bullied and beat up all the time. So I learned I need to lift weights so I can fight back. And that allotted me just um, some different opportunities of modeling and acting which is great. It was some of the best, that was one of the best things I could have done for myself because I grew up in such a sheltered life, you know, aside from those circumstances I mentioned earlier, I never thought I would be traveling across the country and meeting these people, you know, these celebrities like Madonna and Don Cheadle and Brendan Fraser, just meeting these people just opened me up even more. And it was about two years of that. When I got back, I said that I want to do something different. I want to do something that I never thought I could do. I didn't think I would be a bartender. I didn't think I would go to school. I didn't think I would actually, you know, um, be moderately attractive. And I said, I want to go do this for myself. I want to do something. So I got with a coach, a mentor, mentor coach. And he said, you really should consider doing coaching. And mm-hmm. I said, no way, old man. And, <laughs> and you know, fortunately, he is an amazing person. He kept pushing me. And I was saying no before I even knew what I was saying no to. And when I looked into it, I said, okay, let me try it. And I told him, and what, this is six years ago now. I said, I'm not old enough to do this. And he and I was like, I haven't lived enough. And he looked at me and said, Vernon, you live many lives already. And it just like, wow, I never thought about it like that. And that's when What's Your Happy was born. And it's all about finding your definition of happiness. It's a foundation of a lot of the work that I do. Uh But, um, wow, that is a powerful story. I'm I'm glad I asked the question. Oh, thank <laughs> to hear you. Where where it got? Because I'm always intrigued. Like, how do people like learn how to do this? And um, sometimes you you can't. Well, most of the time you can't learn what we because we do who we are. You know, you're right. doing who you are, and and applying it and finding a way to monetize it and, and while you give back and help and be of service. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for myself, it was because I've always been able to see like, it ain't that bad. Because when you grow up the way I do, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Trust me. If you have to eat sardines out of a can of just, you know, for the last two days, it's like, eh, you can eat leftovers. It's okay. But I've always mm-hmm. been able to put a positive spin on it and not to make, oh, everything's so happy-go-lucky, but I, I really do see where people get stuck. Yeah, that you bring up a good thing. You've mentioned a couple times that 
um, to be happy doesn't mean that you don't have normal feelings. It's not an artificial sheath that you put on to um, cover up. Um, and so feeling feelings, including angry or frustrated, all the things are normal. It's what you do with them, right? Am I That's sorry? right. It's all energy. Everything, all those emotions are energy. Yeah. And it's, good to, it's great to feel them. I, um, and I've mentioned some people like, whoa, what are you doing upset? Or why? You don't have a smile on your face. I'm like, that means I'm not a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that means I'm human. And it's okay. Yeah. So now bringing it back to where we started with how, well, um, I, I don't know how different it is from when you coach to when you speak to an organization. Because you speak to some pretty big groups, right? That's right. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit of, you know, how is it when you apply it? You do one-on-one coaching? I do one-on-one, yes. So private coaching, one-on-one. So this is for people who really want, they must have a, uh, a desire to change or to get something done. Who, yeah, absolutely. Who you take on? It's, it's for people who are ready to accelerate things. And the program I created is called Momentum because that's what it's about. Once you get the momentum going, you can shatter through anything. And not to sound cliche, but it's the truth. Once you, when you're moving quicker and in a direction of your choice, not my choice, not your mom, not your dad, but of your choice, that's why it's yeah. what's your happy. Yeah. Um, and you build up some momentum and you get excited, nothing can stop you. Yeah. But it's for persons who are just ready to get to the next level, however they define it. And when in that kind of environment, I can be more creative. Because if I'm talking to two or three thousand people, I can I, you can only use switch up your style with so much so people can get it. But in environments where it's you know just it's all about you, and that's something I let all my clients know. This is all about you. This has nothing to do with me. This is all about you. Yeah. It's it's an accelerated program. Now when I speak, I speak on very. I speak on life. I'm not going to walk out into a room. You know, I've been with a few thousand clients. I don't just walk out there and say, hey, guess what? Go out there, clap your hands and stomp your feet. No, I will talk about, you know, a burnt out executive and how some childcare got neglected. But I'm bringing these, and obviously I go for the, the, how things ended. And it's funny, of course, because humor always works. And I like to laugh. And I love to make people laugh. Yeah. But when you go out there and you present people with real life things that they tend not to share, and people don't speak on often, they, they get it, they connect with it. Like, oh my gosh, that was my cousin, that was me, that was my uncle, I thought I was the only one. And people really feel, again, felt. Like, yeah. I felt like you were talking about me. Or, and not in a negative way, but like, I really feel like you know some of my story. And when you speak on things like that in a humorous way with, and given an explanation that um, we're all here together. I don't care as many reasons people have to be prejudiced against one another, guess what, we all got the same heartbeat. Yeah. But it's, it's just by getting, being real, being wise, and being fun, and recognizing that, guess what? We're all going through a change. I don't care who you are. I'm going through changes, Joyce. I know you're going through changes. Anyway, listen's going through a change. Yeah. But let's get there together. Yeah, I love that. You know I do two podcasts. I do one called Rock Bottom Syndicate. Yeah. And this one really would play well on that show as well. Just the, under, the authenticity and your vulnerability. It must have taken you um, a lot of strength and faith to be able to become vulnerable with your story. That's funny to bring that up um, for years. You know, I've mentioned that we were the invisible homeless, I think is the term they call it now, but it was, it was a shame. It was absolute shame. And I just remember my family and my family making fun of us and it, 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 it was isolating. 
it was incredibly isolating. And for those first, you know, 19 years, 20 years, I didn't want to tell people. I was, I was embarrassed, but and it took some work. There's no, make no mistake, the guy that, you know, has the pleasure of sitting here talking with you and talking to your, um, your people worked on this. I had to sit back and realize I and mean, be good with the fact that in order, and I'm again, I'm a nerd, in order for, um, my son's name, he's named after Wolverine. His name is Logan. I used to read and draw um, to get by thing, through things. So comic books were always a big reference point for me. Mm-hmm. But I knew that in order for me to get my mutant power, I had to suffer a little bit. And so once I recognized that my suffering brought me success, contributed to my success, that's when I started sharing my story more. And it's been amazing, Joyce, how many people have said, oh my gosh, I was, I'm, you had the same thing. Or, wow, like, oh my gosh, I had a little bit of that, I had a little bit of this. And it's really helped create a bigger community for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so motivating to me to hear stories like yours where it's not what happened, but what you did with it, what you chose to do with it. Absolutely. And, and then doing that with, you know, not ego. It's not about developing this ego or further because ego is just more protection, you know, from mm-hmm. reality. So being truly authentic um, with with your messaging and, and uh, staying true to that. You, you can't fake it. You cannot fake being authentic. And I think when I, one of the things I did, one of the benefits of growing up the way that I did was I recognized that um, – and it's not about me. I'm part of the equation for sure, but it's not yeah. about me. And I love, um, I love collaborating with people. I just love being around people. I'm just such a people person. And I like, I just love it. It's not about me. And I love, you know, when you and I first talked, I loved your story. Yeah. Like that is like, that is the essence of communicating, right? Yeah. Being with someone like I, it's everything. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine the speaker part of what you do. And I mean, I can definitely see you doing it. But just the challenge of going in, I'm picturing lawyers, say, for example. I've worked with a lot of doctors, so doctors too. And they're, you know, they're used to being at the top of their game and the best one. And then they go to the best schools. And, you know, you you tend to be kind of full of yourself. You can be. And then... Um, and then you walking in that, you know, that they actually thought to hire you, but I'm just trying to picture it. And can you give me an, a little feel for what that's oh, like, yeah. like how you break the ice or what you do to, to get them listening? It's such a great question. Cause people ask me this generally in private, like, how do you do that? Well, I think, <laughs> um, when I was younger and this is when I really picked up on this, no matter what, I don't care who you are, everybody wants to laugh. Everybody. And I would use humor um, to get me out of a lot of circumstances. Like if a guy's coming in with, he would have a broom. And I'm not joking, he would just have a broom that you sweep the floor with. He would break the handle and just want to whack me across my back. And I got scars on my body from that now. Oh my God. No, 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 no. It's good. Trust me. So <laughs> what happened was when they would come in the room and they get ready to hit me, I'm like, stop. What do you think is going to happen if you do that again? And they yeah. like stop and like, how are you going to sweep the floor? And they're like, they leave. Yeah. The biggest one of the biggest diffuser is humor. Yeah. No matter what. It's humor. But, you know, that's one of my go-tos. Um, the next thing is when you talk about real life with people, you cannot escape reality. Mm-hmm. I walk into a room and I could just see <clears throat> the tension. 
And yeah. I'm like, oh, this See, is that's it. what I'm picturing that tension. Like, how do you cut that? So let's just say um, at a small retreat, it was 60. And I know you said lawyers, but the first one that comes to my mind is these CPAs. So okay. it's about 60 of them. I'm in a horseshoe, right? And I'm walking in and they think I'm going to tell them to clap their hands and do cartwheels and high fives. <laughs> and I'm just looking at them and I'm just like, these people, these persons need to realize that we all got something in common. We got something different. So I said, everybody stand up. I was like, everybody sit down. I was like, quick, you, tell me something odd about you. He's like, what? And they were like, well, tell me something odd. Yeah. Like, well, what do you mean? And I'll say, I'm 6'4", I'm 230 pounds, and I cannot play basketball. Then everyone <laughs> just like that. They all start laughing, and then boom, they come to find out that one person plays um, a guitar, another person plays a cello, and we got to maybe like half of the room, and I'm like, guess what? We got a band here. This is the Beatles over here, and we're going around and find out one's in a filmography, another one's in botany, and I'm like, holy crap, we got our next um, – National Geographic movie, and you start doing that, and then those those roles, those degrees, they mean nothing because you recognize, hey, we're human, and then right there, once I talk to the human, we're good. Oh, I love that. You know, you what you you hit on one of the things I discovered through playing ice hockey. Oh, I gotta so, hear this. Yeah, I learned to play ice hockey when I was almost fifty, so I'm sixty six now, and one of the things I at- realized is. Once I put on my bucket, right, my helmet with my face mask and everything and my equipment, and I'm sitting in a locker room or getting undressed in the locker room, right, we're all hockey players, and I don't know that you're a lawyer or a doctor or a CPA or a nurse or I don't know what you do. I don't care what you do. I just want you to pass the puck to me or I want to help you (laughs) with my stick. And we become different people and we become just people. Yeah. And then on the bench, I find out, oh, you're a vet. Oh, I didn't know that. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, my image, I should be intimidated by you. But then I'm like, wait a minute, the, the, that it doesn't fit anymore the way I used to think about them. Because the intimidation was all in my head. Or the, right. Yeah. It's incredibly disarming when you can just realize, and I love that you said that, when you can just not see people in their role and just see people. Yeah. And I yeah. think... Um, and not all, but there's a large number of people who want to be seen. They just don't find a safe space. But when you got some big guy who comes out there, you know, with a bald head and he's smiling, and you're like, why the heck is this guy smiling? And he says he can't do a crossover. And they're like, oh, well, let me just go ahead and share my thing. And then it's, it's amazing the stories that, you know, you get when I, when I kind of do that approach. That doesn't work with every group. Yeah. I don't do that with every group, but it's just one of the ways to get kind of people to talk to the true self is what I call it. Yeah. And uh, as I've been coaching longer and dealing more with different walks of life, different professions, I've, I've noticed that I'm getting better and better as a coach and as a teacher at doing that, that one thing, um, realizing they have the same kinds of worries as anyone else. Yes. And if you can get them to put down the professional side of thing, you know, honor it, respect it, but that's that they're going to worry about the same thing anybody worries about their human. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, um, when people feel safe, they will really talk to you. They will, and I know you know these things. But yeah. when, when people feel felt safe, heard, and respected. Mm-hmm. Because I, might, I don't talk to every client the same way. I'm different with every client because I respect who's in front of me. Some people, yeah. it's not safe to talk about feelings. I'm not that feelings aren't there and they don't matter. It's just not safe place yet, safe space yet. Yeah. That's something you work on, I suppose, to create over time. Yeah. 
Well, we're about out of time already. It's hard to believe we flew through this. Um, wow, you're right. <laughs> I've really, I t I've taken so much away from our conversation. I did, you know, when we spoke earlier, when we were speaking on the phone, um, but learning from you and how you help people and just getting a better sense of your experience that prepared you for this and then what you did with it is just so profound for me. Well, thank you for anything I, really I didn't it. anything you didn't say today that you want to share just as a wrap up? Nothing comes to mind immediately. I think um well I think this I want to say this. It's although I really want people to embrace this concept. It's all about you. It is. It's all about you. Yeah. So some people might not need to be <laughs> might not be the safest thing to say, but just I think people forget uh, to to give themselves the space and the time. Okay. Yeah. And we all go at a different rate and rich yeah. sense of readiness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a lot of fun, Vernon. You are a good looking guy. I got to give you that too. Oh, That's well, thank amazing. you for saying that. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm like, he's so cute. It'll make me blush. Don't make me turn purple. <laughs> <laughs> you're a good looking guy and you're a lot of fun. And I can just imagine you lighten up and energizing any room in your speaking engagements and, um, and how, how careful you are to personalize your approach to coachings uh, with each each of your clients. So they're lucky to have you. Thank you for saying that's a world-class compliment. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks for visiting me today. I'm totally well. And um, we will talk again, I'm sure. I hope. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're awesome. So is everyone listening. Oh, thank you.